0: You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio. I'm Tegan Engel, and this is The Table Underground. Today's show is part of a series of stories on equity in education, supported by the Graustein Memorial Fund. Kia Levy Burden has an important story to tell about fighting for her son's needs at school. Professionally, Kia has spent her career advocating for children and families facing barriers created by institutional bias and racism. She is a professor of social work at Southern Connecticut State University, works with the Center for Children's Advocacy, and is president of Launch Consulting. None of her degrees or extensive experience fully prepared her to deal with the unjust, racially biased treatment and suspensions of her young Black son, Seth. In the Hamden, Connecticut district where Seth attended school, suspension and arrest rates, especially of students of color, are very high. At the middle school level, 37.3% of Black students were suspended last year, compared to 20.1% Latinx students and 8% of white students. Additionally, 29% of students with disabilities were suspended, often for behaviors directly related to their learning disabilities, an act which is against the law. Of additional concern is the use of police in schools to, quote, de-escalate behaviors, which has resulted in 52% of Black students being arrested, compared to 19.4% of white students. Hamden is not unique in these trends, but it is on the higher end of districts in Connecticut. In this interview, Kia Levy-Burden tells her personal story of advocating for her son's rights and education. She shares her struggles, learnings, and insights about what needs to change in our schools so that all children can learn and thrive. Welcome, Kia. Thank you for having me. Beyond your professional skills, what else informs your work to support your child? So people who know me know that I am this sort
1: of um, mama who doesn't let up because there are things that are important to me for my son, But this um, kind of fire or passion or just awareness, you know, is before him. So most of the men in my family have been incarcerated at one point or time Hmm. Um, uncles, cousins, um, father, and two younger brothers who were very much like Seth in school, weren't seen um, had a difficult time and ended up in the correction system. And we had a mom who did beyond her capacity to do as a mom. Mm. And yet there were things that, um, just were not enough. And so I have a real urgency to sort of, if you will, break this generational cycle. Like it just can't, it cannot continue. Mm. Um, and then there's, and it's not just my family. I'm clear that it's not just my family. So it moves me. It's just sort of in me, you know, it's not even a thing that I do because, think it's the thing to do it's just I don't I don't know any other way to be or anything else to do
0: right so you have a son his name is Seth can you tell us a little bit about who he is
1: yeah so uh, Seth will be 11 in about three weeks and he uh, has a smile that will light up the room and a laugh that is really infectious you can't help but to laugh when he laughs Um, he's a little boy who's emotional capacity is much bigger than he can probably contain himself like he just hasn't grown into his emotions yet much like he hasn't grown into his feet yet because he wears a size nine and a half men's shoe wow. he is outgoing and friendly and extroverted um, in a way that his mother is not <laughs> <laughs> and he loves all things music and um loves making new michael jackson playlists of all things and Disney musicals and all things
0: art and Pokemon and dragons and dinosaurs. <laughs> That's great. That sounds like a very normal 11-year-old child. Yes. And so what has Seth's experience with school been? How has he been received by his schools?
1: You know, school has been
0: um, such an interesting journey for us as a family.
1: I um, I had a lot of worries about being a parent and... Worries about health and worries about um, sort of stability. Seth's dad and I were divorced before Seth was one. Um, So I had like concerns, but school was sort of never a concern because school had always been my safe place. It was the place where I could go and forget about all the other things that were happening or were not happening in life. And so it didn't, and I had really good experiences at school. And so it never, ever, ever, ever occurred to me that, this would be sort of the work, that this would be the work of parenting and some of the hardest work that I would ever have to experience. Um, From the time Seth was in preschool, like pre-K-3, I was getting phone calls, like Seth is misbehaving, you need to come pick him up. Seth is being aggressive, you know, uh, you need to deal with that. Seth, uh, talks out of turn, Seth can't sit still, uh, he can't keep his attention, focus on anything mm-hmm. at one time and so like at three I was like well yeah right, that's <laughs> he's, a normal
0: three year old
1: he's three and so yeah. I sort of like poo pooed it I was like you know and he was at um, a pretty sort of well known private school, I was really excited, I was going to put my young boy of color in a private school and kind of in my mind, I was going to sort of skirt this issue of school to prison pipeline. I wasn't going to set him up to be in that um, challenge of an atmosphere, but I was going to just put him ahead so that he could have um, some early successes and some early wins as a young black boy in his educational journey. Um, and um, what it had become is one of the most difficult times um, of our lives that we are still currently facing. I think there has not been a school year since pre-K-3 where I haven't received phone calls from teachers that have said, or school administrators, um, come get him. He's he's too emotional. He, we can't console him. He won't stop crying. Um Uh, Well, Seth needs to understand that he's bigger than the other kids. And so, what might be okay for other kids is not okay with him because he's so much bigger. Mm. Um, Just for so many reasons, uh, but there's never a day, there's never a school year where it was like, where he got to make honor roll or student of the month or get celebrated for things that
0: other, at least in my perspective, other parents get to. experience mm-hmm. with their children so did you hear a lot of coded language in that when they're saying to you that seth is so much bigger other kids get to do this that there was some way that they felt more threatened by him because of his size or because he was a black child or oh, i think know, a
1: school? combination it all felt coded to me so words like aggressive words like safety like safety is a huge code word in public schools right now we have to make sure he's safe everybody else is safe well what's safe and when When are things safe, and when are things not safe, and what are the dynamics of those situations? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, size, you know, well, Seth is much bigger, or um Seth is so articulate and he's so smart. We don't understand why he behaves this way. You know, as if those the complexity of uh, misbehavior and intelligence can't live in the same person, you know, and you know, and and misbehavior. Even is a word I struggle with. I mean, one, every child misbehaves. That's just the nature of children. Adults misbehave. Mm -hmm. So to somehow think that it's not going to happen is a little silly. So there's clearly um, a range of misbehavior that ranges from sort of acceptable to unacceptable. But I don't know what that range is, right? No one has ever told me. He's never brought a weapon to school. Right. He's never aggressed on anyone to do them physical harm in that way. He's never threatened um, violence to himself or others. And so, you know, I need it. I always ask for more help um, to say, well, tell me exactly what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Other than it just is something that you don't know how to help him with. He can't sit still. Okay. Don't punish him for that. Right. He talks out of turn. Okay. How do we use that as a strength of his to enable his learning? Um, he's an emotional kid. His feelings get hurt. Okay, well, let's teach him how to manage his emotion and coping. Like, you know, like there's a way to help him be who he is without making what he is bad. Right. And the experience has been it's bad, it's punishable, it's
0: unmanageable, um,
1: and like fix your kid.
0: <laughs> right. So, all of the things you're mentioning are like really normal. Kid behavior things that it seems like part of school is not just learning academics but oh, yeah. learning how to be in a class together, how to yeah. how to learn how to take turns talking, how, you know, especially as a three year old, right, and and beyond. But so, how did you deal with that with the school when these are sort of normal things that they should be teaching, but they're making it with him a problem?
1: Um, very clumsily at first because I, I I didn't know, so I took it very personally. I was very offended. I felt very picked on. Um, and I couldn't understand they, they couldn't help me to understand why I shouldn't feel like they weren't singling my son out, right? Because mm-hmm. he felt very singled out. Um and so I um had a lot of emotion in this conversation. It's like, why my kid? Why are you and and he was I think particularly like in pre-K, right? He was one of three little boys of color in a class of 16 and so i was like why why my kid and but he was the biggest kid in the entire class and so very clumsily at first very emotionally very much felt attacked then i started asking questions you know as these things started to continue i started to ask questions about classroom environments about what behavior management looked like versus what learning looked like, about um, different curriculums and pedagogy and teaching styles, about creating a learning atmosphere for kids under understand. So I started to ha- I had to learn, I had to educate myself. I had to look at what the systems were in play. I had to look at um, what special education was and, and why special education was and, and what are the categories where they were trying to say he was special education and because of his behavior, but didn't want to categorize him in special education because he was on or above all of his academic levels. Um, And so it was something that I had to very clumsily learn my way into, learn how to ask the questions, learn how to challenge teachers and administrators and superintendents to say, you know, you don't just get to blanket tell me x y and z about my child i need to understand why i need to understand your role i need to understand what the options are and if you don't have any of those answers then you know we need to be in a better place in a conversation and so that has been such a learning journey gosh over the last seven years and i i haven't learned at all like i'm
0: still in these conversations i'm still learning so what are some of the things that came out of that? Like if they identified that there may be some special needs he had, how did that play out when he also was academically pretty on point?
1: Oh, that reinforced this idea of like punishment, and discipline, and behavior, right? Well, he's smart enough to be reading on the fifth grade level in third grade, so he should be smart enough to manage his own emotions, or he should be smart enough to know how to sit still or not keep dropping his pencil on the floor or something, you know, minuscule. Um, and when I would have conversations like, and these are hard conversations to have. Maybe my kid does have some challenges. Maybe my child doesn't need some extra support emotionally or around behavior management or making choices and getting people to, to look at it as something that needed support mm. and learning Versus something that just needed to be managed. It's really, really, it remains very, very difficult to this day. Um, because in their mind, they can't reconcile the fact that the child can both hold intelligence um, and still need support in other areas at the same time. And they can say all the right words, and they do, they say all the right words. Right. But the implementation, Um, of what happens on a day-to-day basis never matches up with all the right words. And so they're still uh, in process.
0: So can you say a little bit more about that, um, something that needs to be supported in him versus managed?
1: Yeah. So, you know, most recently, so through lots of advocacy and lots of push and lots of compromise, challenging compromise on my part, I, um, what i'm going to say is conceded to allowing seth to be identified as special education and he has an iep an individualized education plan to give him special supports in classroom. Um, A lot of his challenges are about attention and organization, right? So like being able to focus on a task for a long period of time, being able to organize his space or his thoughts in a way to get from point A to point Z in a task, and then managing frustration and anxiety when he feels like he cannot be successful in those things and how he manages those are really difficult. And so they show up in outbursts, either of tears or like frustration. And so, and it can be I'm not denying the fact that it is not disruptive or can be disruptive um, in a classroom setting. However, if, you know, I often use the analogy like he also has asthma, right? And so if he could control his breathing in a way where he was getting enough air, he would. But because he has a difficult time doing it, he needs the assistance of an inhaler. It's no different than his ability to manage his anxiety or frustration about things that he just hasn't built the capacity to do yet. And so if he could sort of regulate himself and work well in ambiguity, then he would. But because he cannot do that, then he needs some assistance. And so assistance would look like... um one, noticing, right, when his behaviors are ones that are out of frustration or out of things that he's really trying to do well and having a hard time with versus, you know, t- saying that he is aggressive and a harm to himself or a harm to others. Because that's not the intention. That's actually not what's happening. Um, noticing when adults, and I often ask this of the adults in the room, like, just notice your part, Right. Maybe you're having a rough day today. Maybe he's not the only one having a rough day. We have rough days. Maybe your patience is a little short. Maybe you have 19 other kids that you need to attend to. And so my one might be taking up too much of your energy. Like just acknowledge those things and then we can work together to get him what he needs to be successful. Instead, because those things take more time, I acknowledge that and they take a little more thoughtfulness and intention, it's so much easier to put him out the classroom, so much easier to call me and say, just come pick him up. It has become much more easier to suspend him and put him out. And in the most recent episode, it's become extremely easy to call 911 and to have him handcuffed and police escort him out of the school. And so it just becomes this practice of what's easier versus what's best. And I'm sure that schools would disagree with me about whether they think it's easy or not to make those decisions, mm. maybe it's not, but that's so my a experience.
0: Called the police yes. to handcuff a fifth grader, yes. an 11 year old child,
1: and said to me, Oh, well, they weren't the real handcuffs, they were the plexi cuffs,
0: as if a cuff is a cuff is a handcuff. Like he was restrained. So, why, how in the world do they justify that? Cold word safety,
1: you know? He and it's a it's a long story that I I will not bore you with all the details. But you know, Seth was he was upset about a situation that he thought he was using his best skills to handle. I wasn't there. Apparently, his best skills weren't enough to handle the situation, and so the adults handled the situation in a way that, in my estimation, it got escalated. And then once it got escalated beyond their control, then it was like, well, let's call let's call the police. Because the police, that's what their jobs are, to de-escalate situations.
0: Yeah, to me, the idea that police are even playing a role in a school, unless there's like a gun involved, is so inappropriate. Goodness. So one thing I just heard you say is that Seth was struggling to deal with a situation, a challenging situation. And that the adults got involved and escalated it, which I have witnessed a lot myself. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about even adults with the best of intentions inadvertently often escalate, make something worse. Kind of try to sometimes use control to handle something, absolutely, instead of using compassion and understanding about what's underneath the child's frustration, and that gets to this thing that you started to talk about around, like controlling something, yeah, versus looking at like what is the, what's the support that's needed? Yeah, it's a really different. One is very child development focused and like compassion focused, and one is very kind of. Here's a rule, it was broken, here's what we need to do absolutely. to fix it. And absolutely. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you witness that with a conflict that then inadvertently gets escalated by the adults' participation <sighs> in it.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um it, it it becomes about managing the situation. And so and, and here's the thing. Here here is my one of my challenges is that I never get to witness these things. Right. And so these Episodes, these events, they happen in school. And so I'm always showing up after the fact. Or I'm always hearing about it from Seth, from a teacher, in an incident report. Because I don't have these experiences at home with Seth. And very, I can't even tell you that Seth has the experience in other areas of his life. He, he's in a community theater program. And I remember telling the director of the program that these things were happening with him at school, and it blew her mind. And she's like, and I, I never, I ne- it never occurred to me that I never had these kind of issues with him. I never had these kind of issues with him and other children in the theater production. Like, she said, and I'm hard on them. I'm hard on them about learning their lines, about knowing their cues, about being in place. And she was like, I don't sugarcoat it for any kid. And he takes it, he figures it out, and he responds. And so I'm always challenged because whenever I say what happens, it is always secondhand, and it's always my interpretation right. of what I believe has happened and one of the very last conversations that I had had with his school we were talking about an incident where Seth um, so he has an IEP and in that IEP there are very specific instructions about how his day gets organized to help him organize and some of those include pulling him out of class to do check-in groups with the school social worker or the school psychologist. It's checking on him. How's his day? How's he feeling? What does he need help with? Which is a good thing. The drawback to that is when he gets pulled out of class, it interrupts an activity that he's in. So when he gets put back into class, they're already in the middle of something that he now feels behind on or not capable of catching up. So it's, it's it's a give or take, right? And it's sort of this art. It's not a science, but what's the right thing to do? So they pulled him out of class, they brought him back, kids were in chorus, they were learning a song, they had already learned the song by the time he got to chorus. And um there was no, Seth we know you relate, let's help you catch up, right? It was like, Seth get in line, here's a song. And he was like, I didn't know the song, I didn't know how to start learning it, they were already in the middle of it, and so I didn't sing, and I found other things to keep my attention. And because he found things to keep him attention, it was like, you're you're not paying attention, come out of chorus. And he's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And then it becomes this power struggle between the child and the adult. So in a very child logical sort of way, he's like, I'm making the best of a bad situation. I have no idea what's happening in my class right now. So I'm gonna sort of self-maintain until we get through this piece. The adult is like, I see you, you're not doing what everybody else is doing. Mind you, nobody had given him instructions to do what everybody else is doing. And then it escalates because now he's frustrated. Why are you singling me out? And then it becomes just do what I say. And then he becomes resistant. So when the one adult doesn't get um, the response, like, well, let me get another adult. So now let's I'm going to say this, right? Let's gang up on this kid. Let's tell this child that we mean business. And so two adults are going to say, we mean business. And if you don't comply, these are going to be the consequences. And then it becomes this power struggle. And what I have noticed thematically is that it becomes a power struggle. You will listen. You will comply. If you don't, there are consequences, which is not therapeutic, which is not about support, which is not about learning to build skill. At all, and it's like if you don't build the skill in the twenty minutes that we pull you out of class to be with the social worker, there's no other time and place to build that skill. You're supposed to learn it in that twenty minutes and then come back out of the room and apply it,
0: like that. Yeah, and there's no compassion for the child for what they've been through and for the role that the school plays and the responsibility of the right. school in in helping this child catch up.
1: So I sit in the work. meetings and I say. I'm my child's advocate in this room. He's not in here. he can't speak for himself, and so it is my job to advocate for him. It's my job to both take responsibility for the part that he has a response he's responsible for and to hold others in the room responsible as well. and so that and that's the job that I'm going to do. and so yep, right? There are things Seth could have done differently. There are expectations that happen in a school building that he needs to be in the practice of being mindful of. I don't disagree with that and what could the adults in the room have done differently does anybody acknowledge that you brought him out 20 minutes late to an activity and did not give him a transition how to nobody made ready for him to get into this new activity Do you acknowledge that these type of things cause him great anxiety, which escalates his frustration? I'm sure that's what you talked about in the group you pulled him out of, but nobody thought how it was going to happen in the real life example. Like where, where is anybody else around this table going to take responsibility for their part? And there's such offense when I ask that question. Well, what do you mean? So then I spend 20 minutes listening to the special education teacher tell me about how she relates to Seth and how he responds to her and how if she had just been there. And this is not about you. This actually is not about any of us at this table. This is about this kid who's actually not here in this conversation, and we're making it about us. And that repeatedly is my experience mm-hmm. in these conversations. Repeatedly, it is about what the adult felt, what I felt unsafe, what I felt disrespectful, what I felt he didn't respond. Like, but you're an adult right. with a job, with a degree, with an expertise supposedly in child behavior or development or education. And there's a 10 year old who's in the fifth grade who doesn't have any of these. And so like, who's the one that should take on the bulk of this work in this situation? <laughs> it, it, to me, right. it's, it, it's so not rocket science. And there's such an offense whenever I would suggest that there is some other responsibility to be had in addition to the child at the table, but it all becomes about him, what he needs to do, right. what he needs to change, what, what's not, nobody else takes any responsibility right. at all, right. ever.
0: I very much relate to what you're saying. I mean, I'm here nodding enthusiastically because the story that you told is a story that I have heard from so many children and families. And that I've witnessed. I've even seen it from my own eyes when I am in school sometimes and and see those things happen. And also this piece that you're talking about around talking about things that seem like very obvious child development, child-centered approaches to to thinking about what kids need and how they learn. And then meeting with sort of a blank stare from teachers or administration around how to frame thinking about these things from that place. and. I have to tell you, like, I am baffled by that. I,
1: baffled, yes. Heartbroken more than baffled. Heartbroken, yes. I sat That's in, true.
0: That is a better word.
1: I, but, you know, there's a little bit of like, what? Right. At the same time. But I, I sat in a PPT with Seth's then third grade teacher. Tell us what a PPT is. So a PPT is a uh, planning and preparation team meeting for how the team who supports Seth gets together and talks about his individual Education plan how they're gonna implement it. What are the supports he needs? What are things that we should know about so this, this is child
0: once, once you got into a place of actually designating him as having special needs? Then you yeah. had this meeting this that, is actually before, before that okay. this is
1: actually I had a in third grade I had a series of these planning and preparation team meetings to even um, Get him to be considered as special education. They okay. would not consider it but so I was in this meeting with his third grade teacher who brought with her a folder full of work of all the 100s and spelling tests that Seth had received and all the check pluses on the science diddles that they had worked on. Like, he's wonderful. And yet, like, his grades and his report card were all like S, right? S, satisfactory, satisfactory. or N for needs improvement. So I was really challenged by, tell me how these N... I think grades are arbitrary. I'm not, I don't That's another conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but I'm confused at how this report card reflects satisfactory work or work that needs improvement. And yet every single paper or project shows me a sort of this excellent level, which says to me that you're actually not grading his academic performance. You're grading how he shows up in your classroom, you're grading how many times you've had to talk to him to be still, to sit down, to be quiet, not the actual work he's producing. And I remember asking this teacher, how do we better integrate these two things, right? How does he still get credit for the work that he clearly can produce um, and not let the things he has challenged with detract from that? As she picked her nails in the meeting, said to me, I didn't get trained for that. That's not a part of my training. I I leave that to the psychologists and the special education teachers. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that either. I'm a parent that was born, that kid that did not come with an instruction manual. So guess what? You and I, both of us, don't know how to do it. Just because we don't know how to do something doesn't mean that we don't figure out how to still help and support because how else does it get done? Right.
0: And that is half of teaching.
1: It really is. Like, to you know, I I have I it it is it's challenging for me because I have uh, friends and families who are dear and near to my heart, who are teachers and administrators and coaches and principals of schools. Um, And I'm not ignorant of the limitations that are on public schools and schools in general, right? There are financial limitations. There are staffing limitations. There are building capacity limitations. I'm not, it's not that I'm not aware. And it's not that I don't take those things into consideration because I do. Um, But when I show up and I want to be in relationship with you and I want to be in partnership with you about my child being successful and you can't meet me halfway, then, then we have a problem. Then we are no
0: longer on the same team. Right. Absolutely. So. Within all of this, how many schools has Seth been at so far?
1: Oh, it hurts me to say. It hurts me to say. It hurts my heart to say. Um, so uh, between kindergarten and now fifth grade, Seth has been at four schools. And we are actually in pursuit of a fifth school at this point. He um, he can, he, I will not let him return to his current school, which um, is the one where he was um, handcuffed which is the one where he was handcuffed by police? by police um at at a meeting well, they were talking about expelling him, and i um I had to call a meeting and it's a meeting that is old me it's a due process meeting right whenever a child with um a, a, who is identified as special education uh gets into a disciplinary issue, there has to be a meeting that says. Is this incident a manifestation of their acknowledged disability on their IEP? And you cannot move forward into expelling or even excessive suspending when you have a child whose IEP says these behaviors are a part of the disability.
0: So okay. in other words, this child has challenges with these behaviors. They yes. need to be supported and not suspended, not dealt with as punishments. And yet through punishment.
1: within a six week time period this particular school year i would say between late october and early december uh my child had been suspended four times um and at this time i had gotten a letter from the assistant superintendent of Hamden public schools saying that there was an expulsion hearing that had been scheduled and like i lost my mind like i flipped my lid i called all the people down at central office i was like what somebody needs to tell me something um and we had a meeting, we had a really big meeting, and you know, it it was determined that what he had experienced that day, one, was a manifestation of his challenges. And so all the things had to be revoked, all the suspensions had to be revoked, the expulsion had to be taken off the table like immediately. It was also determined that day that their response was an overreaction, right? That like how they responded was not their best day. At the same time, there was no there, there was no responsibility taken. There was no we could have did better. There mm. was no we're very sorry, we should have did something differently. Um, we'll do something different. There was none of that. Really? It was just very much, uh, um, wow. well, this is kind of what it was. And so wow. at the so so technically and legally, he could return to his school. And I asked them. Can you assure me that this won't happen again? Can I trust that he can still show up and not be punished in a way for behaviors that you all know may very well show up? So so sometimes they don't show up for a week, right? Sometimes he has a week and it's all great and he's complied all week long and they're sending me notes. What an amazing week he's had. And This has been great. I wish every week could be like this week. And then two weeks to go by, and they forget that he still has some challenges. And so when they arise again, all of a sudden, it becomes like, what is this? I'm like, this is not new. It just is not an everyday, all-day thing. Um, and to her credit, I had a woman from the central office at Hamilton Public School who sat in the meeting and said to the team at the local school, what do you all need? What kind of training... Coaching, support, resources—can I get you all to help you better serve this child? Because on paper, it all looks good. It all looks like you all know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen any demonstration that you've been able to implement this plan in the way that sets him up to succeed. I mean, I was over the moon impressed by this woman, right. and completely underwhelmed by the team's response. Sort of, kind of shrugged. And, you know, didn't make eye contact and kind of mumbled. Mm. And, you know, I said to them, I don't need you to mumble. I need you to be declarative. Either you are going to be a resource to my child or you're not. And I need because I need to make a decision based on your at least willingness. Forget about your capacity. At least willingness to build a capacity to give him what he needs. So noncommittal, so hemin So I said, "You know what? For my own sanity and for my child's safety, you have not given me any confidence that what has happened will Won't not happen, happen again. again." And f- and you know, they kind of shrugged and was like, "Well, yeah." Mm-hmm. So what do I do? That puts me in an extremely impossible position. Right. right. And so, you know, I I've, my narrative has been we came to a mutual agreement that it's not, we can't have him there. Um, and so unfortunately, he's being tutored by a homebound tutor because he's not in placement in a school right now. I am um, committed to not putting him back in Hamden public school, regular school, because they have clearly demonstrated, demonstrated to me that they don't have the capacity, nor the willingness. It, it, it doesn't occur to me that my child is some sort of enigma, right? It doesn't occur to me that... He, you know, I make this joke, like he is sort of Neo from The Matrix, right? Like he's the only one that has ever, 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 ever um, uh, uh, created the circumstances where they needed to sort of think out the box or really serve a child in a different way. And if he is, then we need to talk about that. Like that's something that I really need to explore and investigate. Except um,
0: that personally, I know so many other kids I know who dealt that with the not, same thing. And I, I know, know that you do too. So... I mean, I could tell you from first hand experience that he's not the only one. I
1: know. And and the levels of shame um that I have experienced as a parent, yeah. you know, questioning what's happening in my home, um, what 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 could I do differently or what I what I'm what maybe what I'm doing, what happens wrong before school, before he shows up. I mean, just it is it is Such a culture of shaming and isolation and taboo topic to talk about if you're the parent of that kid. Um, That it makes it really, really difficult to be there for your child and to hold yourself together as a parent to be able to advocate. It is so difficult. So to answer your question, he's been in four schools, five schools. Um, We're exploring a different school. We're exploring more therapeutic schools that are difficult to navigate because some of them are intensely still very punitive and very discipline-based. And the ones that are more therapeutic and more supportive, have much more uh, promising outcomes, are not local and they are not cheap. Um, And so right now we're exploring a school that is in Stratford and we live in Hamden. Um, It is not inexpensive. Um, but the Hamden Public School District is on the hook for the bill. And so, and but, but I also have a child who now it's the middle of January and he hasn't been in school since the first week of December. Wow.
0: How is this all impacting Seth?
1: Uh, he has mixed emotions about it. So he understands the incident, right? He understands that a thing happened and they responded to that thing he has m- a much more difficult time understanding the long-term impact that people might still be holding on to that, and that there, there's a, a less than excited response to him returning to that school and then welcoming him and sort of starting over afresh. He, he can't comprehend that. Mm-hmm. Um, At the thought of going to a new school, he gets really weepy, like, I miss my friends. I won't be able to see my teachers anymore. Um. I don't want to go to a new school and meet new people, which is fair and which is realistic. And then I say, okay, but let's say we send you back and let's say you have a hard day again and they call the cops again. What will that feel like to you? To which he's like, oh, yeah. And so, you know, he is able he's he's ready to be back and be social with children. He's ready to be in a classroom environment and. I've I've noticed that he's such a different little boy in these last six to eight weeks, less anxious, much more at peace, much happier, less anxiety about am I going to get in trouble today at school? What's going to be the consequences? I mean, so his how he has been, I've just noticed such a difference in his mood Um and he's also having some difficulty sleeping at night i think there's still some residual anxiety that is living in him um around just what is unknown Mm -hmm. um feeling very much in limbo right now and so it's it's it is it's challenging and he has good supportive he has a good supportive therapist he has a good supportive pediatrician um you know he's as his family we try to be as supportive and informative as we can um and and still it's challenging
0: yeah There's so much to talk with you about, but I wanted to specifically ask you about how do you feel that race impacts the way that the school is interacting with Seth and and interpreting his behavior?
1: So I want to say, I want to say this. Seth's fourth, fourth grade year was probably one of the best school years he ever had. And I wanna say that for two reasons. One, it was the first year we were able to really fully implement the IEP with fidelity and with great intentionality. It's been the only year in school where this has ever happened. And his primary fourth grade teacher was an African-American man. And his music teacher, which he loves music, was also an African-American man. And it did something for him to see a man of color Be his educator in a way that he had never, ever, ever, ever experienced before. And going into the fifth grade, all of that changes. Both those teachers left the school. Neither of them were there. And he had built relationships and bond with those teachers. His team became all white and all white women primarily, which has always been his teacher experience. All white women since Mm -hmm. he started going to school. And so, you know how can I not pay attention to the dynamics there where the best year he had in school is a year where there was much more diversity and the adults who were a part of his team and surrounding him. And one of the questions that, you know, the team asked this school year was like, well, we don't know what changed since last year. It was last year was such a great year. What's different about this year? We don't know. It, 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 it blows my mind. Like type of something that baffles you. So I say to them, Well, his team is different. Not only are they different in terms of who they are, but they're also new. They haven't they haven't developed a relationship with him. They don't know his quirks. They don't know what he's really good at yet because they haven't spent enough time with him. And so they're just very technically saying this is what the paper says, but they don't know who he is. who he is. Right. Uh, without even digging into the complexities of kind of race and gender differences of the team. When he was in the third grade, which was the year where things really begin to escalate and the first time a cop had ever been called on him in school. And I'm sitting at a table and this was also the year of the Tamir Rices. And like all, there was all these things that were happening in the nation at this time. And I remember sitting in a meeting of all white staff and faculty. And I remember saying to them, can we acknowledge that right now in this moment, there are, and I counted off, eight people in this room who are not related to Seth, who will come here to talk about this little brown boy and his very brown parent in this room in the context of a nation that where police officers are shooting young black boys for having BB guns, like let's and so and you call the cops. I'm my then third grader, because he ran out of the classroom. He ran out of the classroom. Okay, he, he did
0: not ever be allowed.
1: And and the mere fact that I would acknowledge that, like oh my gosh, right? Well, well, you know, what, what are you trying to say? And I was like, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything. <laughs> Like, don't get all offended like I'm going to call you racist. Like, I'm not going to call you racist, okay? So calm down. But what I am trying to say is there's a dynamic here that does exist. And so to ignore it doesn't serve any of us. Mm -hmm. Let's name it and figure out how are we maybe unintentionally playing into it. So you're calling him aggressive and you're calling him unsafe and you're calling him big for his age. Do you do the same thing for white children? Just maybe you not even noticed it before. Right. Tell me how many white children who you have called the police on. Mm-hmm. Just tell me your numbers. Give me the numbers of how many white children's parents you call in the middle of the day to tell them to come get their son as if they're not working and try to make a living for their family and how many black ch- parents you call. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you won't why that can't be the topic of the PTO meeting.
0: Yes. N- there's no yeah. answer
1: for these things. Right. And so there's a clear Racial dynamic. I mean, it's clear, right? When none of the teachers or administrators in the school are of any color at right. all, and 95% of your student population are of color. Yeah. Like, what's happening? Yeah, and
0: people are so scared of being called racist that they don't want to engage in a conversation about how race impacts right. the way we act with each other. And it and, just and does. It's, it's, it, of course it does. You know, you you mentioned that Seth related different to his two male black teachers, but I wonder if you could talk for a minute about how you think those teachers actually related different to Seth.
1: Yeah, thank you. That's a really good question.
0: Um, and how they're relating to him contributed to him having a good year and having less challenges that year
1: so i I don't know specifically right I, i i can guess um but i will say this i will say that at the closing meeting of last school year his teacher said it was a difficult year but it was a year well worth it like i saw i could look at seth and see myself right and i think there's some reality of you know, statistics can tell you the number of black male teachers that are in elementary schools, right? High schools, much more greater ratio. Elementary schools, particularly the lower grades, right? Fifth grade and down, almost none. And so there's something to be said when they come across little boys who may or may not remind them of themselves when they were little boys. And what did they need? in their classroom settings and what was impactful for them. And so I will say that in my conversations with those teachers, I do believe that there was so much, much more reflection that was happening in that dynamic. I mean, they still had to be teacher, right? They had to be teacher of all the students. They couldn't just be the teacher of Seth. But I do think that there's something to be said about being much more reflective and much more um, thoughtful before acting, before decision-making than for people whose it's just doesn't relate. It's just not in their way of thinking because they just don't have to think
0: that way. You know, one thing I think about here is that you have so many professional skills and personal life skills that have allowed you to Mm, advocate, mm, to be an amazing advocate for your child. And I'm wondering if you could just imagine if you were another parent without some of those skills like what would your capacity have been like to to deal with all this and what have you witnessed with other families yeah. who you've been an advocate for taking I think about it all the time yeah. I think about it all the time so I have
1: to I have to like read my resume a little bit in the meetings right like hey school social worker I have MSW too right hey professional administrator i teach at a university you know like i have to read my resume sometimes to feel like what i have to say is legitimate i have to um overemphasize my understanding of mental health and school systems um as a preference to to preface to anything i say to feel like that I, I'm being heard and like I'm being really listened to. Um, because if I don't, I feel like I get dismissed as if I'm just, you know, overly emotional parent right? who is so love blinded by her child that she can't see the realities of what's happening. And so what if I am like, why is that a mark against me to, to be that? Why isn't that mm-hmm. okay? And so it's been, but even, Even in that, right, even when I show up with my resume and all my credentials, sometimes I still have um, navigated a strategy where I have to bring other people in the room with me to further legitimize what I'm saying. So I had employed a strategy where, quite honestly, there was one meeting where I had a really good girlfriend, no greater or lesser credentials or expertise than I did, but she was Caucasian. And I said, listen, I need you to come to this meeting and I need you to be a white woman in this meeting mm. with me so that all the other white folks in this meeting can know that I'm somehow not some crazy lady who just wants to call them racist. Wow. But so that I have relationships mm-hmm. with the white people that are my own interpersonal relationships yep. and I'm still going to say what they're doing is racist with my white friends
0: sitting next to me. I just think right. that's all I need you to do yep. in this meeting. I have offered that myself to other families of color where I've said like I will come in and, and support you yeah, in this because it's also really intimidating as one parent going yes. into a room with a whole bunch of administrators yeah. who in my experience don't often acknowledge the power that no they
1: have. will not 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 it's not just they don't acknowledge they will try to somehow make you think that it's not there that's right and downplay it which is ridiculous um, so my heart it goes out to parents who call me actually I actually have a parent now oh I need to call when I leave here who is quite accomplished Quite educated this is the pastor of a church in Hartford, and was like i need your help like what do, tell me what do i do because this school is giving my kid a really hard time so there's something about community one but then there's something about community um of credential and i just made that up right but that's that's been my experience that Me alone is not enough. And so I have to bring somebody else in to validate who I am as a parent Mm -hmm. and the fight that I am making for my child and so I will do that for other parents if you need me to come with a business card or or my you know Southern Connecticut University ID badge or something that makes them think that I'm more legitimate because I'm not but that makes them think I'm more legitimate than I am then by all means I will do that for you because what that does now is that it lets you be parent in that room and I get to be the buffer or the bad person or the naysayer or the poker I get to do all that stuff and you can just be parent. so if you want to fall apart in that meeting? Fall apart in that meeting, because right. I I got this other stuff. Because sometimes I don't get to do that. Sometimes I can't even be parent in the room because I have to be all the all other together. stuff. Yeah.
0: So in all the challenges of of these experiences you've had, what keeps you going? Seth keeps me going.
1: He he's so much fun. You know he's he is bright and he is smart and he is articulate and he's so much fun to talk to. Um, and to laugh with. And he his new thing uh, is board games, card games. So Uno and Phase 10 and Crazy 8, those fill our evenings and our weekends. And I have a really good – he's really competitive, and I'm not. And so it makes him crazy because um, I don't care about winning, but he <laughs> so cares about winning. Um, and, I, you know, I do it for him. I want him to have the fullest life he could have. And I tell him that all the time and I need to reinforce that and to see the smile that widens his face when I tell him that life is going to be amazing mm-hmm. for him and like this, this is just a bump in the road and that there's such an amazing life and to hear him daydream about what his life is going to be like, um, it, I just, it keeps me going. It's just so amazing. So I know he's, you know, he's a kid that deserves better. And so I keep doing it because I know he deserves better. Mm. That's
0: a gift. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much. This went by really fast. Yes. Many thanks to Kia Levy Burden for sharing her story so fully and publicly, which helps to bring light to the many broader issues and lift the shame many people with similar stories feel. Thanks as well to the Graustein Memorial Fund for their support. And of course, WNHH Community Radio and the New Haven Independent for airing the table underground and uplifting local news and stories. For more info, past episodes, photos, links, and more, go to the tableunderground.com and listen anytime by podcast. I'm Tegan Engel and this is the Table Underground. You're listening to WNHH103.5 FM Community Radio.